Hey, this is professional writer Sarah Kanata, and I'm back for the first official Twitter Write podcast. Now, there would be no Twitter Write without the one and only global Twitter marketing specialist, Keith Keller. Welcome. Hey, this is part two, remember? This is part two. Last week was the, the teaser, or are we calling last week the teaser, and this well, is part one? Well, that's the way that I saw it, but, you know. Okay, that's good. Let's do that. This, this is part one. Last week was the teaser. Last week was Twitter is the launching pad. I mean, why are you going to bother with Twitter? <laughs> why, why do you even want to do it? There's eight other choices. You, you, you're blowing your head apart trying to keep up. Last week's episode was really, really good. Sarah asked some really great questions. She came up with that phrase, Twitter is the launching pad. We're using that as the teaser. So this is part one, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So before we do jump ahead and talk about what we're going to go through today, let's do a little recap for everyone out there. So when we first started chatting away, which was about two weeks ago, I had 63 followers on Twitter. Now I'm up to 294. That's insane, Keith. What's going on? Well, you're following a little bit of a recipe we gave you, which was follow 20 people a day for 90 days. Because a lot of people... I'm pretty, there's a couple of things you're doing, and I'm going to decode because that's not the only thing you're doing. But the one fundamental thing that everyone can do when they start Twitter is they can follow 20 people a day. And a lot of people have said to me, Keith, mate, I'm the star. I'm starting Twitter because I'm in a rock band. You know, I'm a writer. I've written a novel. I'm an author. I don't follow people back. Okay, okay. If you're really super famous, you were Stephen King. No worries. Don't follow people back. I don't mind. But if you've just started you've got a blog and no one's reading it, I don't think you've got the luxury of saying that you're not following anyone back because you, no one knows who you are. No one knows well, where exactly. you are. We did um, touch on that last week just in terms of writers. Often you've got a blog, you've got a book maybe or anything else up your sleeve, but realistically if no one's actually reading it, what's the point? That's right. So uh, that's one thing you're doing. You're doing this idea of the tw- follow 20 people and it's working. You're getting a 52% follow-back ratio, which is unheard of. Not even I get that, to be honest. I don't even get that amount. So um, so that's the first thing. And second of all, you're doing stuff. And actually, today's episode is about doing the stuff, laying the foundations. I mean, you can't just turn up on Twitter on day one and say, I'm here and expect to get lots of followers. You've got to have a bit of a system. I'm going to work you through that system today, which I call laying the foundations, or in brackets, getting your story straight. What do you stand for? What are you here for? What, what do you want people to know about what you're doing? Do you have a blog? Do you have a podcast? Do you have a video series? Have you got a, a free teaser so that people can get a bit of a sense of what they what you what you offer? A free chapter, typically, as a as a writer, you might have a free chapter. If uh, if you're a, a podcaster, you might have a free teaser of the podcast that's available. If you're uh, if you're into video, a lot of people are really into video. You might have a couple of videos on YouTube. And so, by doing all of those things, which you're now starting to do, you're blogging, you're getting featured in the Huffington Post, you're doing lots and lots of things. This is why you're getting such a, an enormous follow-back ratio, 52%. Well, exactly, and that's the thing. I am driving it myself, but I mean, on the flip side, when people do check me out on Twitter and land on my Twitter page, there's actually things there for them, isn't there? So, in terms right. of just the basic Twitter profile page, what are the bare essentials that people need to have? Because, I mean, I myself have noticed it when I've gone looking through people. A lot of people don't even have a bio up. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's, uh, that's actually part of what we were going to chat about next week, but let's jump ahead. So, um, with a bio, it's very, very, very important that you have a photo. 
That's the number one thing. There's stats to prove that if you don't have a photo or a graphic or some image of some kind, people won't follow you back. They'll go, well, if you haven't even bothered to put up a photo or an image, you're not serious. And the better the quality of the photo or the more compelling the photo, the more chances people are, will follow you back. So that's the first thing. You've got to have a photo. Not many people don't do this anymore, but not many people go to the trouble of putting a really lovely photo on. And eventually, and you can, you can hear it now, it's May 2015. I am pushing Sarah to get a really lovely photo of herself. <laughs> you have been. And we all have these <laughs> little hidden secrets but uh, you've got to get a really good photo of yourself because you are awesome and you're going to set the world on fire and people want to know what you look like. There is significant evidence to prove that if you have a really good photo on, on your bio you will get a lot of people following you back. Uh, you need to have a little bit of a, a teaser as to what you do. You know I'm a professional writer, here's my website, here's my blog. Now, if you look at my Twitter account at the moment, it says, that Aussie Twitter guy, keithkeller.com.au, free MP3s here, podcast host, a list of all my podcasts on SoundCloud. So people go to my page and go, okay, there's a picture, that's what he looks like, and this is what he does. He's a Twitter dude who loves podcasting. Okay, I get that. If I'm into podcasting or I need to know stuff about Twitter, I'll follow him. If they don't, they won't, and that's okay. It's actually very important not to just got lots of empty followers. You want people to follow you going, hey, actually, I really need a, a writer. I really need to make a good friend with a writer because I need my blog post written and I'm hopeless at that. So I've got, I've got to find a really good writer. So I'll follow your blogs, see if they're any good, and then I'll contact you to see if you can do that for me. Or you might need a book written, and we're in the process of writing a book, aren't we? We're about you know, the entrepreneurial yeah. journey. Very exciting. Very exciting. And so, uh, you know, we've been brainstorming that idea that, look, I've, I've been around the block a few times and I've got a story to tell and Sarah's going to tell it. And so I'd imagine you're trying to attract a lot of other people who are thinking, you know, I've got a story. I've got a book in me, but, you know, I don't know if I want to write it. Well, exactly. And I think that's another story out there for all the writers out there. You'd be amazed at how many people just don't actually either have the time to write down their story or anything they're interested in. Or, you know, they just don't like writing like we do. Yeah, like well, you do. Like writers do. Like writers do. <laughs> I think you've made it very clear about your stance on writing. <laughs> you know, you know a, a, a very, very interesting point of the entrepreneurial journey is that, you know, it's, I think it's essential. Not everyone agrees with me on this, but I think it's essential that some of the tasks you do ship out. Like, and I've got very clear on what I do. I love podcasting. I'd even say I'm good at that. I love Twitter. I really dig it. But I'm hopeless at WordPress. Hopeless. Really hopeless at WordPress. And I never get a chance to write. So when you offered me the chance to write my story, I jumped at it because I have got a story to tell and I'd love you to tell it. But there's no way in the world I'm ever going to write that book. And, the, and I'd imagine I'm like most entrepreneurs, busy doing it. You know, I haven't got time to sit down and write what happened. But if you want to sit with me and, and convert it into a book that might be a learning for someone else, I'd be happy to do that. And the, I think the book is going to be a great lesson. The book is going to be called possibly something like Life Begins at 40, or that's certainly going to be the first chapter. You don't have to wait till you're 40 to jump. But I waited 22 years in jobs that I hated, feeling miserable 88% of the time, 
which I just made that calculation up, but it, it felt like all the time. I was always miserable because I was always chasing my tail. I hated my job. I hated my life. I sometimes had a little bit of a weekend where I could catch up. There was so much stuff I had to do that I really disliked, and it took me 22 years to get out of that. And now, if you've ever, if you've been following my track since 2006, you'll know that I'm rocking. I'm digging it. I'm doing my thing, and I'm creating some ripples because I love what I do. What? And that, I think that's a good entre- entrepreneurial story, and that's the to- story we're going to well, tell, absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely, and it all comes down to passion. And I've got my passion, you've got your passion, and they happen to you know bounce off one another. And it's a story out there for everyone. As you said, you don't have to wait until you're a little bit older. I jumped at 27, so yeah. I didn't even think it was worth me putting my energy into things that I wasn't passionate about. But I think we should go back to Twitter. So back to Twitter and in terms of driving it. Now, you mentioned beforehand that it does take a little time, but I think the message that we're trying to get out to people there is that you might spend 20 minutes a day on Twitter, but the amount of reach that you'll actually gain, you wouldn't reach those numbers via anything else, even if you pay for it. Isn't that right? We found that out last week, didn't we? Well, why don't we, why don't we take that story? You've been experimenting with Facebook boosting. I've never, ever been excited by that idea. I've never ever experimented with it, but you're experimenting with it. You're you're asking Facebook if it's okay if you spend twenty dollars, and they're still putting restrictions. Well, exactly, on. and I have been experimenting for the last month or so, and about in the last week or so, I've noticed that they've got even tighter in terms of their restrictions because they do have the eighty twenty rule. So basically, eighty percent of whatever you're putting out there has to be made up by an image, and twenty percent by text. Now. I think it was yesterday I just tried to boost an ad, so I'm paying money and they're still knocking back my ads. So now, say with $20, I might reach, I don't know, about 8,000 people. Now, how many people did we reach with our Huffington Post blog last week, Keith? We reached 2,653,000 people in one day for free using Twitter. Now, it's very, very, very exciting. It's very difficult not to get excited when you – and I want, to, I want to decode what's happened there. On one hand, on the left side, and Facebook is entitled to make money, they charge you to boost your posts. That's their model. And eventually, maybe everyone will do this. But with Tweet Reach, we talked a little bit about this last week, but we really played it out. I tweet Sarah's stuff. My friends tweet my stuff, which includes stuff about Sarah. So all of my friends get my stuff about Sarah, all my friends get to hear about Sarah for free. And my highest score for that is 3 million people in one day. Now, I want to I be very, very clear about the TweetReach model. It's a really cool company called TweetReach.com. Now, their free model, what we call freemium, is they, that they actually catalog the last 50 tweets mentioning you. That's a free model. They give you a really robust report that says the last 50 tweets that talked about you added up to this number. And yesterday or last week, it was 2,635,000. And then, and this is very, very cool to know, then if you want a complete report on like who's ever recorded, you know, reported about you or ever tweeted about you or you're following an event using a particular hashtag, you can pay 20 bucks US and you get a really lovely report, which basically details everyone that's ever tweeted about that hashtag or that Twitter handle. And that's their business model. 
So for 20 bucks, you get a substantial document that details what you get. And that's just priceless, really, isn't it? So in, even if you have to pay money, you're getting something for it. You're getting a list of everyone that's tweeted you forever for $20. Whereas for $20, I'm guessing, because I haven't tried it, and I'm very happy for you to take the lead here, for $20 as a Facebook boost, I mean, how many people would you reach? 10,000 maybe? I think that would be maximum. And even so now, you can't even put your own messages into it. So not only are you paying for it, you're paying to put messages out there that need to be approved, which means you're probably going to have to take things out of it. And the other thing that got me really and is getting me really excited about Twitter is the fact that I'm driving it. I don't have to wait for anybody to approve my ad. I don't have to go to any traditional media and wait for them to come back to me or Mm. to run my story. Mm. This is all me doing it myself. So, yes, I'm putting in the effort. But, yes, I would be putting in the other effort to get my message out there via other mediums. It's just that with Twitter, I'm reaching two and a half million people. Where else in my career have I reached two and a half million people? Not very often. Yeah, and that's a common. That's because, and let's be, let's be very clear. If you just started on Twitter, you're not likely to reach two and a half million people, and I'm not promising you that. Follow these techniques, and they're techniques. They're absolutely tried and tested. I've been doing this since July 2010. I mean, I've been working it. And last week we mentioned, and I was interviewed again on Friday about this, Twitter is like Pandora. It's a planet. It's a different language, and it's bloody hard to get your head around it. Once you learn the language and you get inside it, you can create miracles, can't you? Definitely, and I think I'm living proof of that because what we're seeing here is a miracle. Well, you certainly are. 63 followers on day one, you know, what, what I'm now, you know, the day we met. The day we met, you had 63 followers. And coincidentally, we live in the same town. And we'd never heard of each other, and this happens. I'm a bit I'm a bit shocked that you hadn't heard of me. I've been working pretty hard to be famous, but you didn't. You haven't. <laughs> no. You live on the other side of town. You, you, just, you weren't in my club. You weren't in my tribe. So you came across me. I came across you. And on day one, you had 63 followers. You now have almost 300 followers in two weeks. I mean, I reckon that's ballistic. It, it, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be rocking before we know it. Well, if that doesn't get other writers pumped and ready to try Twitter, I'm not sure what will. Yeah. But look, I, I, well, I, want, I want people to get Twitter and I want them to do it. I, I was interviewed on Friday and I, uh, I wanted to share this analogy of going into the city or going into any event and people shouting at you. You've got to do this. You've got to sign my petition. You're the devil if you don't buy my book. This is what I believe. This is, this is what you have to sign up for. March with me and, you know, protest. And okay, people have got legitimate points, but I think you've got a much better chance of getting people's attention if you do it in a softer cell. So what I really want to talk about today is what I call laying the foundations. I want you to have a really robust foundation in place so that when people come to your page, they go, ah, here's a writer who's got a blog. Here's a cool person who's doing a podcast. Here's a really lovely guy who's got a YouTube channel. Ah, that's what he's doing. I get that. You've got to have sort of layers, don't you? Definitely. So... um, I've always said that Twitter is a secondary site, that without something to say or without giving people something to do, it's a waste of time on all parties, for all parties. You know, it's a waste of my time to tweet. It's a waste of other people's time to, to, time to come and see my tweets because I'm not giving them anything to do. 
Okay, I had an ice cream at the beach. Who cares about that? I don't care. I don't even care about that. And I like ice cream. <laughs> but um, if you give someone the idea to say, okay, you, f- you found my page and thank you, here's a blog post or here's a, a lovely YouTube video, here's my latest podcast, here's a, a lovely article you might enjoy. And we talked about this last week with the four to one rule. We'll, we'll keep playing back on that because that's really the essence of the strategy. For every time I tweet about myself, I tweet four other things. I personally do 10 to one. For every time I talk about myself, I tweet 10 other things. That's because when people come to my site, they see lots and lots of interesting content, some of which relates to me, most of which doesn't. And that's the ratio I personally like. If you're a very, very famous writer, you can probably flip this one to four. You know, if you're really famous and people are coming to your site because they love your books, then you can tweet four times about yourself and one time about other people as a favour to them. But unless you're famous, I wouldn't recommend that. So what I really want you to do, and I want you to pick up on this idea, Sarah, I really want you to ask the question, what's your website like, your home base? What is your home base like? You know, the keithkeller.com.au. And that is a real functioning website. That's my website. Sarah Canada is sarahcanada.com.au. That's our home base. What does it look like? Is it welcoming? Is it professional? Does it give people a sense of what you're doing? And you'll watch Sarah's morph over time because I've been challenging her on that. One thing, I'm challenging to get a professional shot. Two, I'm challenging her to make her website super sexy and world class. Because as I said two weeks ago, we didn't know each other. She didn't know what I knew. She doesn't know what I know. And so I wasn't able to, you know, give her these pieces of, you know, these pearls of wisdom that I've accumulated over my massive history. <laughs> is that is that right? I, I mean, mean, is it is it a good place to start with the home base with the website? Do you think that's a good place to get people to to think about this stuff? For sure. And I think for a lot of writers out there, because writing does tend to be their passion, they don't quite see it in terms of how they're trying to market themselves and sell themselves. So. And I'm talking from experience here. Originally, my website was very much based upon the fact that I'm a writer, I like to write, and that was pretty much it. But since working with you, it's definitely started to evolve and it will continue to evolve so that it's more about what I'm sharing with people. What am I giving them that's going to want to make them to come back to my website? Because I can have Twitter running, amassing, say, a 1,000 followers, but ultimately, if I'm not driving people to anything interesting, there's not much point. And the key here is to be receptive because so often people will get very precious about what they're doing. But if you stand back and you just listen to people who have pearls of wisdom, as you said, I think you can really learn a lot. I'm really fascinated by what you said there. When you when you first when we met two weeks ago, this is so astonishing how much has happened in that time. So I feel like I've known you forever. Um, you you were thinking, okay, I love writing, I dig writing, but you're not really thinking about what other people are perceiving you as, which is fine if you want to write in your bedroom as a hobby. But this is what you do. This is what you do for a living. This is what you how you want to stand out in the world. I am a writer. And I want to make my living from writing. So 
we've been challenging Sarah to work on a website. And the thing that's challenging about some of the things that I'm talking about is there is a cost involved. You don't have to pay me for this. I don't offer this service, but there is a cost involved. You've either got to invest some time in fixing this site yourself or you've got to find someone else who can fix it for you. But there's plenty of people that have come before you and there's plenty of people to watch. And we've been... Um, We've been watching uh, Christy Hines, who's the, the coolest chick on the planet, second coolest chick other than Sarah, the second coolest chick on the planet. And she's been doing this a lot longer than um, Sarah, and she's kicked a few major goals. And we're, Christy is uh, sort of our role model now because she's got this really lovely site. She's writing for just about every magazine on the planet, and she's, um, and she's really doing good work. And she's not that much older than you, is she? No, she she's isn't. Just, she's just – look – I'll be honest with you, you introduced me to Christy, but when I went and looked at what she's doing, she's incredible, and I'm going to be writing a Huffington Post blog about her, so that's how interested I am in her and in her story. Mm. And and so it's very important that you follow what other people are doing and you try and um, morph into this. So the first step in laying the foundations is what I call the home base, keithkeller.com.au, Sarah Canada. .com.au, C-A-N-N-A-T-A. And by all means, go and have a look at those websites today and see if they resonate with you or try and find someone else that you like and, and try and pull apart what they're doing because when people come to your Twitter page or whatever social media site you're using, that's the first thing they're going to look for. They're going to look for, they've got a website, what else are they doing? But, I mean, that's the first thing I look for. What, what else are you doing? And so that's the first thing, home base. Is that, is that a good wrap-up of that? Do you want to pick up on anything you've, you've learnt in the last few weeks about having a good, strong home base? Look, I think the most important thing is to be clear about what you do. And I've heard this from a few people now. When I did have my website set up more as a hobby, it was very unclear as to what I did. And that was basically because the first thing that people saw was a quote that I was really into and passionate about, but it didn't actually mean anything to anyone else. I could have been a jazz artist, I could have been a painter, I could have been anything. But now, having taken on other people's feedback, I've changed my website so that it's very clear that I'm actually a professional writer and that's what I do. So be clear about who you are, be clear about what you actually want to do because what you want to do versus what you can do are very two different things. I can write mm. about anything under the sun. You know, I could write about, I don't know, the opera, I could write about history. But what do I actually want to write about? And I think that's what other people need to ask themselves and make it very clear on their website or else you'll end up with people coming to you asking you about things you don't want to do, things you don't really dig and nothing you're really passionate about. And more importantly, you won't attract the people that you really want to attract. Exactly. You like, but there's, there's two very clear parts of my persona. I love podcasting. I teach Twitter. There's there's a hundred other things I do. I I love cooking. I'm going travelling soon. I love photography. I, I live near the beach. But they there's not that's not really who I am. I love podcasting, and I teach Twitter. They're the two things that I talk about virtually every day. So if I, I want to attract people that know about those two things, I want to attract people that do podcasting, share their podcast, get on their podcast. I love speaking. I love talking. I love interviewing people, and I love being interviewed. And I want to attract clients that say, you know what, Keith, I've got to get this Twitter thing. I've got to get it. I've got to, I've got to sort it out. You seem to know what you're talking about. Can we have a chat about that? You know, I can sort of talk to people about hanging out at the beach and going away 
and traveling, but that's not going to generate income and help me pay my mortgage. So it's very, very, very clear that you need to be rock solid on who you're targeting and your, and your language on your website, your home base has to uh, uh, talk to that, doesn't it? Certainly. And I mean, that's almost the hardest thing to figure out once you start. And I'm saying that because I've been through that recently, to figure out exactly who I want to be talking to and what language I want to be using is a challenge. It's not going to happen overnight. It will take you a month or so, but once you've nailed it, you'll know. Yeah, it's brilliant. So that's the first thing, go, going to uh, the idea of a home base. Now, the home base is what I call the house, the structure that you live in. It's your, it's your home. That's why I've called that. That's why I've actually called it the home base. But the blog, or in some cases a podcast, which I've seen done really well of late, is your spare room. A blog is something you can do quickly. You're trying to blog every second week with little updates, aren't you? You're doing a little quick podcast for five minutes, and then you're turning that into a, a, a blog. That's what you need to be doing constantly to get the Google juice. Exactly. And the thing about blogging is that you can blog whatever you want. There's no you are the editor, which as a writer is so is just freedom, basically. Blog about whatever you want. Just make sure that you're keeping consistent with your messages. Yeah, so that that in itself is really interesting. I've never thought of that before. This idea that we're constantly now coming up with this idea that you can play by the rules and beg others for acceptance and for approval. And for PR, you can pay Facebook money, you can try and get on the TV, you can try and get featured in the newspaper, or you can start a blog, or you can start a podcast, and suddenly you become the news channel. You've got a passionate, you've got a subject you're passionate about, you drive it, you write about it, you create the content, you tell the story. It's brilliant, isn't it? Exactly. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot of other writers in this boat, but how many times have you had a story knocked back by a website or whatever because it wasn't deemed clickworthy or clickbait? That's not what writers do what they do for. We do it because we're passionate about what we're writing about. We don't do it because we want people to click on a headline. So your blog is basically yours to create whatever you want to. You're your own mm. editor. It's something that doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh, I haven't heard this story before. Have you, has this happened? Does this happen? Oh, you, get, you, knock, you get knocked back because the, the headline's not strong enough or it's not considered click-worthy enough. It's happened numerous times. I mean, often if a website likes the story but they're not keen on the headline, they'll just go in and change the headline. But so often I've had articles knocked back because they don't think anyone will click on it because the topic itself isn't either what they like to publish or, you know, there's just something in there that they don't think is different enough to what else is going on elsewhere. And that's the thing. You are at the mercy of an editor when you're trying to submit work elsewhere. You are the editor in your own blog. And a lot of people out there have made, you know, themselves famous just by their blog and just by putting their own ideas out there. Millions of examples. You know, the thing I'm really fascinated about, we're now starting to see what we call the content trifecta play out. A lot of people are blogging and that's just words on a page. For me, it's just words on a page because I don't read. I don't like reading. But we're now starting to see that people are adding color with, with blog posts that have podcasts in them 
with graphics, with video. Are you now starting to find that your storytelling has changed since you've explored podcasting and other mediums? I'm, I'm really interested to hear how this has gone because I've introduced you to this idea too. For sure. And I'm fairly much a newbie to the podcasting. But I mean, now when I'm writing, I do actually think about how the podcast that I might want to put with it will flow into the story. And it's added a lot more color because I think as writers, we love to read. But what you need to keep in mind is that there's a lot more people probably out there who don't like to read. So if you can break up your messages with a podcast, that's only going to benefit you. And at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is get your message to people. So mm. if you can, if a podcast can help, or if you're more, you know, into video, personally, I find video harder, a little bit more mm. harder mm. to set up and editing's a bit more complicated. But podcasting, I can virtually do it on my own. There's some really interesting stats. You may have heard me talk about this before because I'm, I'm, really, I'm really into research and as Sarah can vouch for, I'm really into numbers. I'm really into playing around with the synergy of numbers. But we know now for sure that the amount of people that are starting to get their information from the written word is diminishing. That is a fact. It's an undeniable fact that people are reading less and they're trying to get their information quickly on the run. So about 40% of people when they were interviewed recently said, you know what, I still like to read. I still read. Either I have a Kindle or I buy a physical book or I download a blog or I might get the paper. I still do that. Still 40% of people do that and that won't ever go away totally. But another 40% of people are starting to say, look, if you can put it in a two-minute video, I think I'll get it quicker. The trouble with video is that they're a bit complicated to do from the user per from the creation point of view. But there is significant evidence to say that if you can make a lovely video about the same subject, 40% of people say they would prefer that. Now, and the growing area, and this is the thing I'm fascinated by because it's, first of all, pretty easy to do, and second of all, I dig it. About 20% of people are now starting to say, you know what, I don't have time to read, don't write for me. I don't have time to watch videos because I don't want to stare at my screen. But I'll tell you what, I walk my dog every night. I'm stuck on a train every day. I get the tram every Thursday. I go for a bike ride every Saturday. I've got to go to the airport tomorrow and I know I'm going to be stuck there. So I might as well be listening to something. So podcasting is the new is the new golden child, really. It's really just a really interesting idea and you're starting to explore it because it's, it's not very hard to do. It adds a little bit of colour and a little bit of an alternative at the bottom of your blog. So suddenly you're reaching, instead of just 40%, you've instantly increased your reach by 20%, haven't you? Well, exactly. And I think also because podcasting is something that actually really attracts me, I spend a lot of time commuting on a tram. So my options are to listen to music, stare blindly out the window, or maybe learn something in a podcast. So that's something that really attracts me. And I think that's why I've been even more open to the podcasting idea, because all of a sudden I'm starting to look around on the tram and see who seems to be listening to a podcast because, you know, you can hear music, you tend to hear music mm. from people's earphones. And I would say a lot of people are listening to podcasts. Were you doing this before we met or, or, have, you, or have you simply just amplified the amount of times you've done it since we met? I'm completely new to podcasting. I had done it here and there for my first job, but it was never driven by me. And I honestly, if I'm very honest with you, I tried to avoid it. But I mean, it's so easy to do when you're just talking about things that you're passionate yeah. about. It's completely and, different. And you've got a, 
you've got a podcast coming up too that sort of sums up your first week of, of your Twitter journey. But if, were you listening to podcasts yourself as a sort of as, as you as a user? You were familiar with them or were you, did, you, did you just not thought of it? I knew about them and I had listened to them in the past, but there's no way that I was listening to them on a regular basis. I was Basically, my commutes were made up of music and now that's very different. And that's only happened I mean, since we've met, basically. Isn't it great? Isn't it great? Like you go on a trip, you're on the train for an hour. And you think, you know, by the time you leave the station or you leave your house, by the time you got into the city, you've learned something. You've learned something completely new. You might learn a little bit about YouTube. You might learn a little bit about a subject. You might learn a couple of words of Spanish. You know, it's really empowering to think that you're using that time to be to be improving your life, isn't it? Well, exactly. And a lot of the podcasts that I've been listening to have actually been your past podcasts. So all of your different Twitter variations and Everything and the amount that I've learned is just priceless. Thank you. Well, I've been doing this a long time. Actually, I use SoundCloud, SoundCloud.com, which is a lovely site. I really love that site. It looks very, very visually pleasing in the in the Twitter feed, and it creates a really lovely player. So if you ever see any of our podcasts, they're always on SoundCloud. Um, most people put their podcasts on iTunes, which is of course another format which is very popular, very popular on Apple products, but um, the other thing that I want to talk about, um, there's really a three-point plan. One is you need a home base and you need something else. You need a spare room. Either it's a blog with embedded podcasts or it's YouTube videos or it's something, an iPod, uh, sorry, an iTunes podcast, something that people can get you about so that you're, because in the world, in the 21st century, we need to be constantly creating content because everyone is busy. And it's not that we're lazy, it's just that we're doing stuff. And if, if you're not doing stuff every week, people will forget you. You're awesome, you're always going to be awesome. But if you're not, you're not doing stuff regularly, people will just forget how awesome you are. They'll just forget. They won't think about you. So the second part of the plan is to do something regularly, whether it's a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube uh, video. And we can embed some of these examples throughout the course of this series. But the third thing I want to talk about, and we'll wrap it up here with this idea of a free teaser, because no virtually no one thinks of this. And um, the reason I use the analogy of a free teaser is because everyone's busy. And I want to use the analogy of the guy standing in the city, if you've ever been in the city, and there's a guy standing on the corner shouting at you to you know, get his latest political opinion. And it's annoying. He's got very little chance of getting your attention because he's overkilling it. What he might be better off doing is saying, okay, if you're interested in my views, here's a, here's a little book about it. Or actually, I created a CD for you. I know that's cost me a bit of money, but why don't you take that little CD and listen to it on the train on the way home? You might be more compelled to do that if getting his approach across is uh, very important. So what we do in the internet marketing space, and you can see this very clearly on my website, keithkeller.com.au, I've got a free ebook. It's absolutely completely free. There's no cost at all, which is what free means. I just have a habit of saying things three times. Um, top right-hand corner, free ebook, and you'll get my previous 10-part podcast series, and an ebook that accompanies it. Now, why that's important is that if, in case you haven't heard of me, Sarah hadn't, just in case you've never heard of me, you've got 10 opportunities there, 10 10 minute podcasts to go, hey, this guy's good. I mean, he knows his stuff. I've never heard of him. I can't believe that. I've never heard of him, but he's good. 
And I need to, I need, you know, my work to need to know about Twitter, so we'll get him in. So the idea of a free teaser in the writing space often means a free chapter. Okay, you've never, you're not convinced that my new book's going to be any good. Here's the first chapter. And if you like it, then click here and buy the rest. Is, have you seen this play out, this idea of a free teaser in the writing space? How, how do you think it would, it would probably morph out? Well, I think, as you're saying, you'd probably give someone a free chapter and then mm-hmm. engage them, get their interest, and then, of course, you're more, will, you're more likely to buy something if you've been given mm. something for free. Because, I mean, everybody is time poor and, you know, people do watch their money. But if you've given someone enough to hook them in and they are genuinely interested – why wouldn't they go ahead and buy mm. what, you're, what you're offering? Mm. And I want to I share where this is going because obviously we need to you know, pay our respective mortgages. Well, uh, Sarah needs to get one first, but she <laughs> needs to. She's got, she's got some costs. And you know, what I do, how I make my money is I make my money from coaching. If you want to know more about that, you can go to crackthetwittercode.com. And I offer coaching by the hour via Skype. But what Sarah now does, and this is so brilliant, she she does blogging for various companies around the world, and she's getting increasingly good at it. And so these free teasers that we're offering in the in the podcasts here and the ebook that's going to come from that is an introduction to what we do from the point of view that we do this for a living. It's fun, but more than it being fun, this is what we do. This is what we do for a living. So if you want to know more about Twitter, I can coach you with that. If you want to know more about writing, Sarah can do that for you. And that's exactly what this idea of a free teaser is. We've introduced ourselves. And have you seen this done? Have you seen any examples of, in your field of how people are doing this? Have you got any examples? Does Christy, for instance, do it? What does Christy do? I'm not actually sure what she's doing at the moment in terms of freebies. But, I mean, I think once you've also established yourself a little bit better, you've probably got you know, a little bit more leeway in terms of having a bank of clients that are coming to you as opposed to having to set something up for free. So, I mean, Christy might be a little bit different in that respect. And who do you imagine would be the perfect client for this podcast? Do you think it would be professional writers writing for others or would it be authors who have written a book? Look, I think it could be either and both. I think you just need to keep in mind if you are an author and you've got, say, a 12-chapter book, why not give away the first chapter? I mean, especially if you believe in that book and you believe that you've got something that's worth sharing, what harm is there in giving away one free chapter to entice people to buy the entire book? In terms, it, that, that, That's the word, entice. Exactly. And in terms of professional writers – you do need to be giving away a freebie so that people can see your work because otherwise this is where the whole blogging blogging is a little bit more personal if you land on my blog it's not copywriting it's not anything but me writing out of passion but i think at a certain point you need to get you know your head to your geared together so that you're giving people something for free that can show them what you can offer them because that's what it's about at the end of the day what can you offer other people yeah and look, I mean, a lot of this stuff is is uh, complicated for people who have not come across this idea. I work in, this, in the internet marketing space. I work in the social media space where I'm driving my conversation. I tweet 10 times a day about content that I've written, content that I've come across, interviews where I've been interviewed or done the interview, interviewing. So 
I want you to start thinking about this. I want you to start thinking about having a lovely home page, a home base. I want you to think about having a, a variation on that, a spare room if you like, a podcast, a blog, a video, possibly all three in one if you can manage it because I, there's good examples of that now. And then I also want you to think about how do you entice people? Do you entice them with a free chapter? Do you entice them with a podcast? Do you entice them with some samples of your writing? And then once you wrap all that together, you're well on the way to the next section, which is about getting started, about getting in deep with Twitter and hitting the ground running, getting those lots and lots of followers that, as I said, Sarah, almost 500% increase in followers in two weeks. And that's because she's, she's had all these things in place already and we've just t topped her up, yeah? Exactly. I mean, they've all been there, but nobody's ever known about them. So this yeah. is just basically a way of cutting through the noise and getting people to look at me. Look at me! Exactly. Look at me. Donkey! Donkey! <laughs> so we'll leave it there. We've gone a little bit over time, but uh, there's a lot of stuff here. I'll edit these three little sections together. We'll edit those together and uh, we'll put those out on SoundCloud today. This is going to turn into an e-book, which again is going to be completely free. And you're listening to Twitter right. Exactly. And people can follow that hashtag, can't they? Yeah, hashtag Twitter right, R -W, uh, sorry, w -R -I -T -E. and if you want to know more, go to Twitter for Writers with the numeral four, twitterforwriters.com, and I'm, I'm creating a lovely blog as best as I can, <laughs> but, but we've actually got a SoundCloud uh, player there, which will have all of the, the uh, podcasts. This is the second one so far. We'll have them all listed there in sequence, so you can actually listen along as we're as we're uh, creating the miracles. Exactly, and people can follow you on Twitter at Keith Keller, and they can follow me at Kanata AU. So thank you very much for your time. See you later. See ya. 